There are two schools of people, people who have either known someone that's had a fire and they do their due diligence. They call on an annual basis, they get it done. And then you have another group of people that... This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this 53rd edition of Black Wall Street Today. Uh, We just celebrated, wow, one year of Black Entrepreneurship Programming, and we are super excited. Many thanks to our sponsors, Avenue Flora Salon, there at 5034 East Princess Anne Road in Norfolk, as well as the Ready Academy at the historic First Baptist Butte Street in Norfolk. Maybe you are interested in sponsoring our radio show, earning a place of primacy for your business. Feel free to reach out to us at info at blackbrand.biz for more information on how you can become an integral part of an upcoming show. Of course, I want to remind you about our new podcast platform. You all asked for it. You want Black Wall Street Today available on demand, and now it is. We're available wherever you stream podcasts, whether it's iHeart, Google, Spotify, Spreaker, we're there. I got a list of like 12 entities that I never heard of, but if you're streaming, you can certainly find us online. We're back today for the third and final installment on our great debate series. Do entrepreneurs need formal business education? Um, And our first feature is Mr. Jim Franklin of the Prodigy Capital Consulting Group. Again, he's principal and founder there. And along with his son, uh, Brad Franklin, who serves the strategic needs of a variety of clients. Prodigy was formed from the business units of Franklin and Associates. Uh, Mr. Franklin's private investment banking consulting firm, as well as Monticello Capital, which is a specialty investment bank in Northern Virginia, where Jim remains an active associate. He specializes in strategic planning and financial services to clients within several industries, including private insurance, aerospace and defense, international technology, entertainment, security, healthcare, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, transportation, logistics management, information technology. Wow, what uh, an array of experience here. Nonprofit foundations, manufacturing, renewable energy, real estate development, as well as senior care. Jim, welcome to our show, and we appreciate your breadth of experience. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Nancy. Uh, Blair. All good. Yes, it's great to have you. As I mentioned to you in the lobby, I've been hearing a lot about your work here in Hampton Roads, just pouring into entrepreneurs through uh, various pipelines. And so we're excited to have you in our market. Share with us uh, just a little bit about sort of how you arrived at this kind of work. This doesn't sound like (laughs) when I grow up, I want to be kind of thing. How'd no, it's here? not. Um, I spent most of my adult life in the military being a fighter pilot and a test pilot. And that's got it. I got. I got the bug about technology and business and that kind of thing uh, while I was in the military. And when I got out, some friends of mine and I uh, formed a company around uh, unpiloted vehicles way before they were popular. Okay. And that wow. Pro- How long ago was that? That was in the, in the mid-90s. Okay. And, wow. Um, in that process, though, we had to raise money for the business, mm-hmm. and I found that that process in and of itself was very difficult, almost impossible, and through it, I learned a lot of lessons and decided to get into that business. And the venture capital world right now uh, is much different than it has been in the past. In the 90s, 
the venture capital uh, world was the Wild West, and you could make money with what I like to say is a business plan on a cocktail napkin. Wow. Nowadays, it takes much more, and the entrepreneur has to be very, very, very attentive to detail and have a product and market fit. So that's kind of how I came to it. Uh, I came to Hampton Roads because my wife grew up here. And okay. we moved, and I decided to bring my business here. And as I started researching uh, the various incubators and innovation centers, uh, one of the lacks that I saw was this consulting service to get young entrepreneurs uh, with good products in front of investors and get them ready for that investment. And then as I moved around between the universities and the innovation centers, uh, I became involved with uh, Norfolk State and uh, TCC and several others and was once again reminded that the minority membership in the uh, entrepreneurial finance community is fairly limited, not just here, but I believe probably across the United States. But it's very striking to me here. Uh, in my work with NSU and now with Hampton University, um, I'm running into an incredible pool of, of young uh, minority entrepreneurs with mm -hmm. uh, business ideas that are ready mm -hmm. to be funded. And so that brings me here to wow. talk about it on uh, Black Wall Street today. That's an incredible intersection because you and I reached pretty much the same conclusion. And so for us, it's meant... You know, creating new programs to attract these entrepreneurs who have these great ideas. Um, and for you, it, it seems like, wow, it's, it's really going to create some more innovation inside of what you're doing. Well, let's hope. Yeah. I think, um, I think the innovation here in Hampton Roads is, is um, more vibrant maybe than it is other places. And it may be stimulated by the presence of the Defense Department, NASA, mm -hmm particularly on, on, on what I'll call this side of the tunnel. Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. The NASA influence is uh, very apparent, and yeah. the technologies that are being developed here are incredible. Um, I, th I think what's worth talking about is how do you fund those ideas? And that's what I want to talk about. I want to know, what, I mean, is there... Can you give us the blueprint? Is that like the secret sauce? <laughs> no, there's no, you know, there there is no secret sauce, but I, I will share with you uh, something that I was reminded of yesterday when I was preparing to come here. And that is that uh, the entrepreneur needs to know what a venture capitalist is, I'm who it is. I was going to ask you if you could define that just for our audience. And, and the best way to define it, Blair, is to... Uh, Talk about what a venture capitalist expects. Uh, it is not Shark Tank. Um, okay, so it that's is a not, clear line of... It is not a uh, reality TV show, and it is not a short-term dedication by venture capitalists. Okay. Uh, first of all, venture capitalists could either be called greedy or focused. Uh, and, and there's probably a combination of both. Uh, greed can be a good thing. Uh, the reason I say that is that it will focus the entrepreneur on a product to market fit that will generate returns for shareholders. And that's going to be what's needed in any company for the life of that company. 
So what a venture capitalist is, is either a, an individual or a group of individuals that is not risk averse, but is very, very focused on reducing the risk in an individual investment. Now, what does that mean to the entrepreneur? If you have the best idea in the world and you do not have a plan for getting it to market, and along with that plan for getting it to market, you don't have a good financial plan, then venture capitalists don't even know how to evaluate your idea. So good marketing plan, good so financial plan. If there is a secret sauce, it is to build a good investor-friendly business plan. Mm -hmm. Now, before everybody gets upset and says, well, that's 50 pages, it's hard work. No, you're it probably goes back. talking about the single sheet, <laughs> lean startup metho methodology, business canvas, right? Maybe. Maybe. That's where it starts. Okay. Uh, what I would say, though, is that, that it can be simple. And this goes to what you've been covering in the great debate about whether someone needs a business degree. Yeah, I knew we would get there at some school. point. Uh, <laughs> You're giving us background, I though. This think, is great. I think that what an entrepreneur needs first and foremost uh, is people skills coupled with a huge amount of common sense. Um, and the reason I say that is that a business plan is nothing more than a common sense outline of, of what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, what it's worth, and why should someone invest in it or why should someone buy the product? So with those four bullets, just about anybody can write a business plan and it should be your story. The story of your product and how it's going to make money, both for investors and for the people in the company. So having said that, here's the secret sauce I promised. All right. The sure. business plan itself should tell both customers, partners, and to some degree investors why you are worth putting money in and what that investor is going to get back for that money. It's probably the hardest thing for an entrepreneur to predict. And I would say that in my experience, uh, whether it's in the minority community or otherwise, entrepreneurs are fairly uh, poorly skilled at projecting financials. The good news is there are a lot of people like me out there that are willing to help. Uh, we're trying to build that network up so that there are resources that uh, the entrepreneur can get to to try to prepare themselves to be in front of investors. And we're, and so far over the last year and a half, we've had a pretty good bit of luck. Um, and through the innovation centers and the universities, we've been able to, to reach out to the very young entrepreneurs as well. Great. So I just wanted to make sure I heard you right. Financial projections are difficult for everybody. It's a very common difficulty. And I would say that nobody's really very good at it. Yeah. Um, it's a favorite that, thing among... That's something that the investor knows, though. It is. And, and inve investors, particularly venture capitalists, are fond of saying anybody's projected financial statements are not accurate. And they will not be accurate. Okay. The, the best investors are ones that know where the risks are in that financial statement. And they work closely with the entrepreneur to try to find out what the assumptions were based on and whether or not this entrepreneur and his or her team can make it happen. And making it happen is really what entrepreneurs want to do anyway. They don't want to sit around and create spreadsheets with finances on them. They want to be out there building and selling the product. Mm -hmm. uh, and so hopefully that's what our network is putting together, the support system that the entrepreneurs can have behind them 
that allows them to get out and do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got just a couple minutes before break. So, so more to the point of this show. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that you've, again, you've partnered with universities, right? That already kind of gives me a clue that for you, formal business training is important. There's an interesting distinction that I'd like to make about that. I partnered with universities through their innovation centers. Through their innovation centers, And and it was specifically to take advantage of incubation efforts that universities are are really pretty good at stimulating. Mm -hmm. I I teach a series of 12-week classes, Mm -hmm. uh, one at ODU and and now one starting on Monday, in fact, at NSU. Mm -hmm. And they (laughs) they are open to the public. And it's an interesting experience for the first group uh, to come in. Only about 25% were students. 75% were from the community at large. And more to um, the purpose or the the mission of this show and this station, uh, about 50% were African American. And we expect about 55 to 60% in the early uh, signups to the second set. So we're very well represented in minority entrepreneurs with good That's ideas. Amazing. It is pretty surprising. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's to me, it's if heartening. If the total cohort is only eight people, though, it may not be as amazing. But if we're talking about maybe working with 50 entrepreneurs, I think that's really impressive. Can you give us an idea? Yeah, we have limited the oh, class. Man. We've got to go to break. Okay. We got, but we're going to come back. We'll have more with uh, Jim Franklin. Nancy Prather Johnson will be joining us in a couple of special announcements, as well as a ticket giveaway. We'll talk in just a moment. And now, more Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham on Smooth 88.1 WHOV. Welcome, welcome back. It's number 53. It's time for hashtag add this to the list. Our first guest is Miss Gail Patrick. She's going to be sharing some uh, important information with us in terms of safety and a new business that she started. So welcome, Gail. What do you want to share? Oh, thank you for having me. So again, I uh, wanted to just take a few minutes to speak to you guys today about safety in regards to fire. And what that means is um, everyone has a risk in their home. Uh, and that being with the dryer and 80%, almost over 85%, sometimes it fluctuates between 85 and 92% of home fires start with uh, the dryer. So people usually, they do their due diligence to clean out the dryer vent uh, trap, the lint trap, and uh, it doesn't capture everything. So I want to talk to you about Dryer Vent Wizard of Hampton Roads. And we are providing a service to be able to clean, repair, uh, and install dryer vent systems. I was blown away when you shared that statistic with me because I was able to just open up my laundry area and see floating And you don't think about it, right? And you think (laughs) about the fact that Boy Scouts use lint to be able to start fires. That's what they bring out into the field with that. You have three portions. You have something that's flammable. Yes. Flammable. uh, You have the the materials that are flammable. Uh, You have the hair and you have heat. So all three, it's a trifecta for pretty much almost a disaster to happen. And once that spreads, it's through the house. Um, So not only the safety aspect of it, but then you're also speaking about dryer efficiency. So your clothes, you're taking two loads or two turns of cycles Mm -hmm. to be able to dry your clothes. Um, Your 
when you touch your dryer, it's really hot. So just really uh, the overall efficiency, the allergens that are removed because you're pushing about a gallon of water through the vent line. Uh, every load. You don't think about it. Where does no, you, you put don't. wet clothes in a wow. dryer? Where does the water go? And that's where it's happening. So, wow. um, again, just kind of quickly go back. The lint does accumulate through the line. Manufacturers suggest, and they it'll tell you on the back of your dryer or even in the manual, to have your vent cleaned at least once a year. There are two mm-hmm. schools of people. People who have either known someone that's had a fire and they're, they do their due diligence. They call on an annual basis. They get it done. And then you have another group of people that who I've never, never ever, had this ever done. Get they don't done. even know this is a thing. Right. And it is literally just a risk. You just It's like playing the lottery. And at one point when it happens, then, of course, they learn and they'll do their due diligence thereafter. Um, I'm a statistics person, so i got to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. About how many home fires are there annually, would you say? Annually, oh my goodness, there's 55, I believe, the 55, uh, there's thousands of fires. I don't have that number in front of me now. I just know that over, like, last year it was over 200, maybe $238 million in damage. Oh my goodness. Um, just These from dryer fires. fires. Just from the dryer fires. Not oh, wow. home fires, but just simply that were started due to dryers. So there are a couple of uh, points I wanted to, I mentioned um, earlier some of the things that you can have uh, identify whether your line needs to be cleaned. Okay. Of course, the clothes taken longer than one cycle. So that's an easy one. I'm taking notes. Yeah. Less lint on the screen. So you pull out your lint trap and you say, oh, there's not really much that's there. Um, The dryer stops Hmm. repeatedly during a cycle. So you're thinking, hey, there's something wrong with my dryer. It's, you know, taking a couple of cycles to dry or it's stopping on its own. People will call the repair appliance center and then they turn around and say, hey, you need to call someone to have the dryer vent cleaned. Hmm. Um, You take your clothes out. People love, oh, it feels warm. But if your clothes feel really hot, that's not supposed to be there. It should just be, you know what, you just... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, um, And I I, I talked about already the dryer being uh, hot when you're touching it on the outside. You really shouldn't feel that. And then a moldy spell. Sometimes your clothes, if it has a moldy, I'm like, oh, I need more fabric softener or a dryer sheet. No, sometimes, again, that air is not being able to... Uh, be expelled and that dryer vent is probably clogged so well Gail I need you to come as soon as possible yes <laughs> we've so, got all five or six of those symptoms happening at my house absolutely we service yeah. the entire peninsula as well as Suffolk Portsmouth and portions of Chesapeake all the way up through Richmond so if you have friends wow. like I said not only make sure that you have this done or educate people yourselves but mm-hmm. um also know that you need to give us a call for yourself as well, not just your friends and neighbors. So let people yeah. know. Um, okay. I got into this to be able to help and serve uh, individuals. I like helping people. And this was something when I took a look at it was not really here or prevalent within the community. Yeah. Not someone who I mean, focuses I haven't on heard. It. No. Of, so of it I'm going to do my part to educate and get the word spread. Well, let's go, Gail. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Hopefully you'll come back and see us. Let us know how it's going. Yeah, absolutely. well, it's going well. We're actually busy as it is now. Um, um, we're probably Congrats. about a good, thank you for that. So probably about a week and a half to two weeks out in terms of appointments. So we're staying busy, people. Okay. Are, the word is getting good. out. And so we'll just continue to do that. Awesome. Stay safe. Thank you so much. I want to welcome back Mr. Jim Franklin to the show. And also joining us is Miss Nancy Prather Johnson. Uh, you all remember her. She's the Dean of the School of Business from Tidewater Community College. She's given us just so such valuable insight on the benefits of having a formal business education. 
or actually just having business education in general uh, as the dean of the School of Business at TCC, where she leads the business pathway to ensure quality education and success. In her role, Ms. Prather Johnson offers support to the TCC faculty and assists over 3,000 students in enrollment, uh, the completion of their programs, and entering the job market and continuing their education. She's done this by putting forth the effort to develop a new curriculum, create innovative programs, building pathways and pipelines, as well as forming industry and community partnerships that will sustain a higher education environment, students, as well as the community of those that she serves. So welcome back, Miss Nancy. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, Blair. Thank we you got started us. without you. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. It sounds like a very robust conversation. I was listening to it. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and actually, before, um, right before the break, we were having a little bit of a discussion about the population of the of the uh, individuals that have come into the programs. And you were going to tell us, you gave us some statistics, but I was more so curious. How many people are we working with? Well, I'm working right now with about 65 uh, wow. entrepreneurial companies. In other words, they've already been formed up and probably another 40 to 50 uh, individuals that are just, uh, that just need some advice. But Nancy and I were just talking about uh, the next series of workshops at trying to determine what our outreach was going to be. Okay. Uh, these workshops service about 20 to 30 people, but the various organizations that we're aligned with are probably going to bring another 80 to 100 mm -hmm. to the four. And I think what's going to be interesting is what does that translate to on both the uh, college uh, graduate level and the non-college educated level. I think you're going to see a much more uh, diverse mix, and I don't mean diverse racially, I mean diverse educationally, mm -hmm. uh, the mix. Uh, the, the racial diversity is already there just by virtue of living here, so we're good with that. Right. But the interesting thing I think is going to be how the investor community responds to this, because right now we have a great group of investors in Hampton Roads, and the net worth of these individuals and the companies is good. But the deal flow has been relatively slow. I believe we're going to help in picking that up. Um, Say that again, Jim. Deal flow to an investor means how many deals do I close over a period of time? You said that's slow, but you said something else is moving. It's going to be picking up because the opportunities are more prepared. And as we get more entrepreneurs through either the college system or the innovation center or incubator system or the individual consultancies, I think you're going to see more opportunities out there for the investors. And that's what will pick up the deal flow. Okay. The investors want to invest. The issue is not that. The issue is, are there opportunities out there that are ready for the investment? And that's what kind of my mission in life is, is to get to entrepreneurs ready yeah. for those investors. Fantastic. Nancy, what do you want to offer? I saw your head going. I, I was just going to add, um, Jim is right. I, I'm just, I'm just so excited about this, um, this work and working with Jim, because kind of um, see it all coming together. Absolutely. You know, yeah. when we think about community college, mm -hmm. again with Tidewater Community College, 
you know, the difference is we're an open campus, mm-hmm. you know, so we're open to everyone. Um, we're open to the public. So whether you're a student or not, you can utilize our libraries and, and such things. We often have seniors audit our classes. And so just like with offering these workshops on our campus, that will be open to, you know, community at large. So we open to our faculty and staff. It'll be open to our students, but it's also open to the community. So we were just dialoguing about what is that going to look like and how to be prepared for any type of overflow and things like that. Because um, in just me talking about when this is happening and that we're going to start, we're going to offer this starting in the spring, um, you know, in January, I'm already getting feedback from people saying, oh, well, please let me know. You know, please keep me posted. And so I'm really just excited about, you know, getting the word out there, marketing it um, and then seeing what what returns, because we can really have an impact on the community at large. And that's just so exciting. Again, community college community is in our name. So to be able to have an impact to those potential entrepreneurs out there. Um, and I don't know if Jim gave you the statistic um, on the amount of small businesses that are African-American or minority businesses. Um, but when he was with us last, he um, got a chance to talk to our faculty last week and um, he gave us many statistics. And one of the statistics were that many of the minority businesses are not necessarily supported currently um, in our area. And so even also, um, we're also excited about um, being a part of that and, and perhaps helping with that by may, being able to partner um, mm-hmm. with... Not uh, supported in what way? I'm talking about... From an investment standpoint. Got it. You know, capital and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I definitely want to have you provide the details. I had a couple of people asking how they could sign up for uh, what's getting underway at (laughs) Norfolk State. I want to have you provide that. But before I forget, I do have a ticket giveaway um, for perhaps a young entrepreneur or two. I actually have 20 tickets to give away uh, for the Sustain the Change conference that's happening on September 29th, this coming Sunday. Uh, It is an entrepreneurship conference. It does have a number of dynamic speakers, actually from all across the country. Um, So if you're interested in attending, I do have some tickets to give away. Call into the show. It's 757-727-727. 5711. Again, if you'd like to attend the Sustain the Change Entrepreneurship Conference and you're in our market uh, this Sunday at the Chesapeake Convention Center, I do have some tickets. So feel free to call in if you're interested in, in attending the event. You, Mr. Jim, share with us how to, like, I've already been sharing from the NSU Innovation Center page the event. I don't think people get it, though. They don't get that this is a free 12-week preparation with you. You're going to teach these people how to become well, it's, it's investable, more, right? That's right. And it's more than just me. There, there We have uh, several guests, including investors, that okay. come in and work with the entrepreneurs. And the NSU Innovation Center is our host and sponsor for the next series of 12. Okay. Uh, shout out to TCC because starting in January, we'll be conducting that 12-week program in January. Great. So through those institutions, along with ODU, and I hope Hampton Roads, uh, or excuse me, Hampton University soon, mm-hmm. uh, we'll have this outlet through what we're calling the Incubation Network. Okay. And those resources will be available at large. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization and our mission is to just provide those resources 
to every innovation center, every incubation center, every university, every organization where entrepreneurs go to try to get ready for investment. Good. That sounds like we need a partner too then. There you go. <laughs> well, Black Branch should always be involved in this. I feel the same way. feel the same way. So for this Monday's, um, this, this cohort, Open registration? You still Open registration, people? anybody can. Uh, I, I, I can't say that because it's done through Eventbrite, but go to Eventbrite. Uh, okay. I believe the link is on uh, the NSU Innovation okay. Center. What is it called? Site. It's Early Uh-oh. Stage Business Workshops. Early Stage, yes. I, I saw Early key. Stage in there. <laughs> Early Stage Business Workshops. Again, uh, if you go on to the NSU Innovation Center um, Facebook page and go to events. It's right there. It's every Monday for the rest of the year, beginning this Same. coming. This, this Monday. Okay. Yeah. Thirty. Beginning this yes, coming that's Monday. First one, and they're always from eleven to one. Okay. So it's a convenient hour. Bring your lunch. Sit out there and work with the rest of us and network for a couple hours on good business topics. Bring your lunch. I'm going to write that down. So I make sure I announce that again later in the show. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so we've talked already, Nancy, about Jim's sort of philosophy that starting with an incubation center works well because there's such a large community mix. I know you share that perspective because you're at TCC, right? (laughs) (laughs) What are you adding to the debate today? Are you guys on the same page? Well, in essence, um, Jim and I have spoken and it seems that we are a lot on the same page. You know, my take has always been that, of course, I'm pro-education, but the type of education that a student receives. And so I am, um, you know, here at TCC, we just want to make sure that we're providing that full education to the student. And so when we think about an entrepreneur, um, the students that we serve in terms of entrepreneurship, um, we hope to make sure that we are providing them not only the in-class education or formal education, but also the additional education that they need or resources that they need mm-hmm. to be successful. So like having um, Jim's program, um, the um, Innovation Network coming in and doing workshops, like providing all of the resources that we get um, from ODU in terms of the workshops that they are doing at the mm-hmm. Innovation Center. And those are going to be open to the public NSU. as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. NSU um, often provides us with the events that they're doing at their innovation center and so and we also work with Hampton University as well and Black Brand mm-hmm. um, in providing those resources. So my job is to make sure that my students receive all of the resources necessary to make them successful and then they get to choose where they can fit in or where they can actually capture or hey I want all of them. But making sure that they have access to it is it's what's important. Yeah. Um, and then making sure that that education they're getting even in the classroom encompasses um, beyond the book, beyond the textbook, but the networking that goes on with their particular faculty members, the conversations that happen. You know, it, it needs to be a well-rounded education. The program has to be well-rounded. So I agree. I would say that's my takeaway. I think that I think that ends the debate really, really nicely yeah. because we walk away well, with hey. <laughs> so there's a bigger piece too, though. I'm thinking about just the total impact on workforce development, economic development in Hampton Roads. You know, you hear it said off 
profit. Oh, yeah, Hampton Roads is great, but the startup market, not so much, you know, so our talent gets outsourced to Northern Virginia and Atlanta, particularly our, our black talent, right? So when I'm looking at this, I'm looking at, man, are we going to be able to really hone in on these these opportunities that we're seeing mm-hmm. um, and keep them and keep them in Hampton Roads <laughs> are we going to be able to do that that's my personal charge you know and that's I why I came back I'm like okay I'm supposed to be in Hampton Roads because I'm supposed to help develop Hampton Roads in some capacity right we so I think them? I think that the investment community mm-hmm. which I'm a part of mm-hmm. has a huge huge role in that mm-hmm. um one of the things that we've been talking about, whether or not you need a uh, business school education to start a business, clearly you don't. But there are pieces of a business school education that every entrepreneur needs. And they particularly need the parts of that education and a higher education to be able to converse with and convince investors. And the investors, by the same token, have a responsibility to this community to try to retain these businesses as they grow. And part of that responsibility goes to what you alluded to, Blair, which is workforce development. Uh, Nancy's got a huge part in workforce development. The skill sets that, that, that TCC can improve that are available to the entrepreneurial businesses in the growth cycle are very, very important. ODU, NSU, Hampton, Uh, Christopher Newport, all of the other institutions of higher learning out there are producing uh, talented people. What our job in the investment community now is to is to give them a place to go put their uh, their skills to work. And I think if I can, you know, appeal to one thing in the investor community, it is we'll get the deal flow up, but let's keep the jobs here. Let's keep the jobs here. Yes. And I agree with that. The other thing is very important is connecting the dots for these students. You know, so often they may take a class and say, okay, I'm I'm in accounting and then I'm in international business and then I'm taking economics and then I'm going to this workshop about entrepreneurship. And for them, a lot of times they're in that moment and they see it as kind of like a silo. It's so important. It's our Mm -hmm. job as educators to make sure that we're connecting those dots for them, that we're showing them the relevance of that particular education that they're learning or that particular workshop and how it applies. You know, I'm really big on applied learning. Um, and making sure that we keep things relevant for the students so they see how that implies and, and impacts their life, their business, their career that they're pursuing. That's so, 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 so important. Um, and then in terms of keeping um, our young ones here or our innovators here or our entrepreneurs here, um, that also is important because it's all about economic development. And so we often tell our students, you know, there's only um, two ways into a, to improve Poverty in terms of certain communities. That's home ownership and businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, and so once they see that, you know, you'll see the light bulb like, oh wow, I never thought about it like that. Um, so important. And when they when they get that, then then you hope that they they are invested in it. And yeah. but we have to make sure that we're providing. Um, I agree with Jim, and not only the the capital and investment, but we're also in providing the incentive of wanting them to to stay here That's and it. to continue growing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've had a a number of conversations with disgruntled graduates, Mm. you know, because they're one of (laughs) five, six, eight thousand folks who got a degree in X, Y or Z. And the opportunities are so slim, you know, they're few and far between. And so having not 
you know, develop the skill set necessarily to get in front of a gym, it, it makes it it makes it challenging to stay here. You know, they're looking all over for opportunity. And so I agree with you. You are part a huge part of how we how we sell Hampton Roads. It's almost like you can't do the part that you do fast enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to clone you and make sure that like whatever your programming is can be copied and pasted to these organizations because everybody has realized at this point entrepreneurship, the number of events we've seen that have popped up just in the three years that we've existed, you know, everybody's focused now. It's, it's a on hot entrepreneur. topic. It's a hot topic. It's a really hot topic. Yes, yes. Um, but again, you know, yeah. you're one in... <laughs> you know. Well, that, that was my pitch for the Incubation Network. Uh, we have 10 people like me that are on the board and we have committed 25 subject matter experts in our portfolio. So it's not just me. Uh, there are a group of people and this is going to go on. Uh, That's good And news. I think, and, and you know, we've, we've definitely demonstrated the need in your business. We've proven the market. Uh, yeah. The market is there and now it's our job to build a sustaining base to it that can uh, keep that moving in partnership with the investors as well. Exciting, and I like I like to say too that um, this is a topic. Be, be, everyone is looking at this this topic, um, this this entrepreneurial piece, and how do we form these relationships, and how do we actually um, become a network and kind of talk to each other more. And there's certain pieces that are either forcing us to talk to each other or helping us to talk to each other more. Um, I'm a part of a um, network also of the Future Roads of, um, um, the Future of Hampton Roads. It's an organization that I'm a part of that kind of looks at, you know, what do we want? I just heard about that organization yeah. yesterday. Oh, in okay. partnership with the Hampton Roads Chamber. Oh, I just nice. heard about yes, that. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and so basically, you know, it's about, you know, what do we want our future, um, the Hampton Roads, what do we want the future to look like? And the only people who, who are part of this organization are people who are invested in Hampton Roads and um, not with their own agenda, but they want to see Hampton Roads grow. And so just organizations like that, working with um, organizations like gyms, um, I, I really have a fantastic outlook on um, the future of um, not only our education, but our community as well. That's great. That's a good point to end on, except I got to ask Jim this one last thing. Are the investors diverse? Yes, they are, surprisingly. Um, in, in your organization? In our organization, we have a, um, I, I want to call it a mandate, but you know that those never work with business Mm-mm. people. <laughs> never. Um, but uh, I will say this, that uh, there are five Fortune 500 board members that are African-American. Our minority outreach as a part of our organization. Our minority outreach head is uh, head of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I wish I had checked ahead of time to put their names out there because it's I would love good. to... Uh, That's good to know. ...let the people know that there are uh, investors in the minor- minority community that come from the minority community. That's good to know because that's a concern is the, the ownership. But here's the real answer. There's yeah. not enough. Okay. See, well, we've so got we're going to reach those, out. Right? Well, it, building wealth is a uh, long-term generational thing it to is. do, and it, it takes is. all of us to do that to to make that work. But I believe the investor pool in Hampton Roads is rich. And okay. It, rich in both diversity and rich in wealth. Fantastic. 
Man, this has been great. And it's over already. I'm going to ask for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for, for being here and for the work that you're doing. I certainly want to connect more. I've got like six or seven things to plug you well, in. We will, we will certainly do that. Thank you very much, Blair. Awesome, Jim. And thank you so much, Nancy. Nancy has been... Okay, so she's kept our debate going. And thank you for bring, bringing such awesome talent oh, to this thank conversation. Thank you so much, um, Blair, for, for having me. For and sure. I'm just so glad that I'm also being um, having a part of um, creating this more happening, networks. right? Yes, yes by, by just the show, we'll yeah. be able to, to network and We're create uh, a larger network. So thank you so much and everything you do and that, um, that um, Camp University does as well. We appreciate it. No doubt. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in today, Black Wall Street Today, where we're building minds, we're building connections, and we're building the path ahead toward economic freedom through education. Thanks again for tuning into this week's show. We'll talk to you next week. Phenomenal. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Phenomenal. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. Black Wall Street, Black Wall Black Street. Wall Street.